What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Cold Classic Podcast. Can and happy Thanksgiving, if we can... Yeah, just happy Thanksgiving. And if you're episode. a douche, happy Turkey Day. Kind of hate when people say that. Uh, we're coming to you a little shorthanded. Cameron Jones here. It's Jordan Jones. It's Jordan Jones. Happy Turkey Day. And in true fashion, uh, it's just going to be Cameron and me. It's going to be a... F- little family affair and i won't see you on real thanksgiving but i'll see you for the podcast today that's true (laughs) we are having a family thanksgiving here unfortunately mark's feeling a little under the weather he just got covid uh so he's going to be out for an episode or two here so we say goodbye to all those people that just listened for mark (laughs) we'll see you at christmas time (laughs) uh but we're going to be talking about the thanksgiving movie as preluded planes trains and automobiles Businessman Neil Page is trying to get from New York to his home in Chicago to spend Thanksgiving with his wife and kids. When bad weather strikes and his flight is rerouted to Kansas, he is forced to use every mode of transportation possible to get home. Along the way, he reluctantly teams up with loudmouth Del Griffith, a shower curtain ring salesman who manages to get on his every last nerve. Together, they must overcome the insanity of holiday travel and each other to reach their intended destination. Starring Steve Martin and John Candy. Directed by John Hughes. What has it got? Shenanigans. A lot of gripping, real, depressing emotion. It's one of the very few, if any, Thanksgiving-based movies. Planes, trains, and automobiles. All right. Cast and crew. Uh, Directed and written by John Hughes. Uh, you would, of course, know Sixteen Candles, Breakfast Club, you know, teen movies from the 80s. Pretty in Pink. Also creator of, you know, things he didn't direct, like Home Alone. I say Home Alone. Home Alone. Uh, let's oh. see. My Uncle Buck's on his top. Weird Science. Uh, I mean, you should know who John Hughes is if you're listening to this podcast, probably. Yeah. Uh, starring Steve Martin. Uh, most famous, well, most recently now, Only Murders in the Building. And rumored his last project, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but they're they're never gonna stop making it. So you know, <laughs> a longtime friend and now collaborator with as well, uh, Martin Short. Every time bring, I bring I'm out the best a, and worst in each other. I say Martin Sheen like sixty percent of the time. I'm trying to say Martin Short. I know it's happened, and I'm like I'm <laughs> it's very real confused because I'm like it's definitely not a different guy. Uh, famous stand-up comedian in the '70s went on to irreverent goofy comedies like the jerk and roxanne and then became everybody's dad in our lifetime true Um, now he's everybody's uptight grandpa or something i don't know nostalgically for me of course three amigos is one of my favorite i mean top known roxanne la story the jerk and pink panther here uh i mean he wasn't cheaper by the dozen right that's what you were referring to. yeah cheaper by the dozen parenthood obviously a fun one for our family oh yeah parenthood should definitely make the list and we should probably do that someday if we haven't but i think we did we have not yeah we could do it early on maybe uh john candy also starring john candy the dentist in little shop of horse you know shout out you know oh steve barton sells like uh <laughs> yeah. john candy was not in little shop of horse uh, uh we also previously mentioned uncle buck uh, i mean po- most popular from fun for me obviously like space balls and then cool runnings as a kid both of which I think we've done. Go back, go and, back and listen to those episodes. We definitely did Spaceballs and Cool Runnings. Uh, obviously makes a cameo in Home Alone, which I, I think we did. Uh, you, know, you know, one of my earlier ones that I saw as a kid, Stripes. Big Stripes fan. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I feel like I only keep catching the uncut director's cut version now. And it is the longest movie in the world with that. Yeah, it's a classic case of great half of a movie, but it continues. That might be number one in the brown. Like... Everything through boot camp, mwah, chef's kiss. But uh, everything after is like, you don't like man, the, you don't like the spycraft second half. Takes a bit, takes a while. Uh, well, also, there's a, there's a couple fun cameos in here, right? Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Also, uh, Blues Brothers. Uh, uh, he famously got his start in uh, Canadian stand up, and uh, I don't think he was part of SCTV, was he? Uh, yeah, because he was with Rick Moranis, and he was part of. Oh, some... then yeah, then he was in SCTV, like their Canadian SNL sketch comedy show. We do have a lot of cameos in this. Michael McKean, he's come up a lot on the podcast. Uh, Clue, Waiting for Guffman, A Mighty Wind. He might not be in Waiting for Guffman, actually, sorry. A Mighty Wind, Best in Show, the Christopher Duh. Guest movies. 
Don't forget to listen to our episode on Airheads. Oh, yeah. A pretty prominent role in that, too. Andy's in Airheads. Uh, but also, of course, uh, Spinal Tap. We did do an episode, that episode forever ago. Go back and check that one out. Oh, and he's still, and more recently, Better Call Saul. He, he's still doing stuff quite a bit. I mean, he pops up now. He sticks around for sure. Uh, I just have to throw this in here. We'll glance by it, but Kevin Bacon is in the start of this movie. You'll, of course, know him from Tremors. Go back and see our episode on Tremors, but, you know, it's Footloose, Kevin Bacon. Uh, we have Dylan Baker in this movie. He's the redneck in the truck uh, with the chew. Uh, for us, you will know him as the principal in Trick or Treat. Happy Halloween. Uh, happy Halloween. The Jordan does all the time. He's also most popular in Happiness, Revolutionary Road, and Selma. You are actually going to um, want to stay tuned because he has a small role in uh, uh, Road to Perdition. You're going to want to stay tuned because we talk about that. I a feel lot. like you usually do he's see the accountant. A, he's usually a smaller part kind of like char- character actor in a movie. He, he, but if, if he pops up more than you think, but I can never exactly name what I know him from. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, for, for me, trick the, or treat, the honestly, biggest that's... role I know him from is Trick or Treat. That Not is to my say top he hasn't one. had more prominent, but that's the one. Go back and listen to our Trick or Treat episode. No, I'm very similar. If uh, it's not good, at least there's passion behind it. And what more could you ask for? We have Eddie McClurg in this movie. Uh, you'll know her as the secretary from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, she's also in Carrie and uh, Wreck-It Ralph. She's the voice of Mary. Uh, she's hilarious in, for sure, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And this just seems like a continuation. I mean, she's um, one of those people. John Hughes has his crew. In a bunch of his movies, she's kind of just a role player in some of his movies. Uh, and she leaps off the screen as a, as a character yeah. in everything I see her in, always. It's obviously like this type of character, uh, but she really leaps off. <laughs> yeah, it's always hilarious. Uh, the last person I have on my list to talk about is a little young Matthew Lawrence was in this as little Ed or little Neil, sorry. Uh, I mean, we go back and see our episode on Mrs. Doubtfire, uh, brotherly love, boy meets world. Apparently, he's in the hot chick. I don't know. If I think I've all ever the Lawrence brothers have him. a podcast now. I've seen the hot chick like when it came out when I was a kid. I think I passed it. I am gonna call this out, um, and I, and this is unverified, but it looks like pretty sure the daughter, um, the oldest daughter in this movie. Mm-hmm. Of Steve Martin's is in maybe the best episode of Quantum Leap. I'm pretty sure it's his sister. <laughs> oh, oh, you know yeah. what? Yeah. Now that you say it, you're right. Yeah. She gets really emotional when he sings Imagine, but damn it, who doesn't? <laughs> Your older brother's going to die in Vietnam. No, you know how it is. Uh, that's all I had for the cast and crew. It is just a bunch of like bit characters and cameos because, again, it's... Uh, it's on the road. It's a travel movie. So you have a lot of stops, a lot of characters along the way. What's absolutely great about this is, though, we pretty much named all the people who see on the screen. It's primarily just a two-person film, True. which is what's fun about an on-the-road thing. Can they carry it? Can they not? All right. All right. Let's get on to Unverified. Cameron's nipping at the bits to let's tell you what. Moving on to Unverified. Welcome to the Cold Classic Movie Phone. It's November 25th, 1987, and currently in theaters you could have seen The Nest, The Last Emperor, Moonstruck, Snap out of it. The Secret Garden, Three Men and a Baby, there's a ghost in that movie, Flowers in the Attic, Teen Wolf 2, which I didn't know was spelled T-O-O, I thought it was a... Um, he's also a teen wolf Arnold Schwarzenegger's The Running Man a movie we might do someday but you chose Planes, Trains, and Automobiles I've not seen a lot of those movies that you listed actually I at least know of all of them I mean Moonstruck, Secret Garden you've seen Three Men and a Baby yeah it it haunts me to the day Uh, you want to talk about a movie that has to do with heroin at the beginning of it that's Three Men and a Baby (laughs) sure it sure is all right, you're going to wonder, was this a success? Was it a hit? Holiday movie they, based on a holiday. I'm guessing, yeah, but late release, 20, um, 20, November 25th. November 25th, but I mean, that's the perfect time when people used to go to holiday movies. True. You got two mega comedians of the time and you know a well-known actor-director. Mm-hmm. $15 million, $50 million box office. The caveat is, I $15 think... $15 million what, dollar budget, 50 box office? Yeah, $15 million gotcha. budget, $50 million box office, but... 
I think what you kind of took away from it is you lost the family aspect that probably could have made it 70 to 100 million dollars yeah. because it's a rated r movie that's true well, that that is the one thing i let's get into that right off the bat uh the marathon car rental scene is exactly one minute long and from the time steve martin starts his tirade uh to the attendant he says the f word is used 19 times uh <laughs> the film would have been rated pg or pg-13 uh but the mpaa would not let that one go yeah bold just take that one thing like he could have just done anything else like still have a tirade i actually think given the time he could have built up to one f word and they would have allowed it i agree with pg movie still i agree with that too for what it's worth i love it i didn't know it was coming the first time i saw it and i'm in until i saw that i'm like i guess this is rated r right it's gotta be they forced their hand they had to be <laughs> hey you know if that's the cross you guys want to die on 50 million dollars isn't too bad you guys hey, made like 35 it, million dollars it's famously what got steve martin on board with this part he liked that scene yeah he read the script he's like i'll do it because i love that scene and then he made a suggestion but we will edit some of the script and it turns out that the camera's got a million facts coming up that didn't but to go on to um <laughs> As part of the notorious uh, um, car rental scene, Mm -hmm. uh, the actress that plays the attendee, uh, uh, Eddie McClurg, uh, John Hughes said to her, hey, just just wing it at the beginning when you're on the phone, because I don't have anything scripted. And when she was talking, she's like, I'll bring something, something, gobble, gobble, like that part. Mm -hmm. He's like, how did you come up with that? He's like, well, she goes, that's just how I would talk to my sister. (laughs) And it's a Thanksgiving movie. And And it's a Thanksgiving movie. It's pretty straightforward, John Hughes. From all of my research, which is none to very little, very little to none, uh, he was quite impressed by that. Quite a taken back. <laughs> uh, just a little throwaway fact for you. The exterior of their aircraft at the beginning, the 707, is the same stock footage that they used in Airplane 1980. Nice. Yeah, it's got nice. reused a little bit of a uh, reused a little bit. This is crazy to me. Uh, Paramount executives were very angry about this. What was the budget again? 15 mil? 15 mil. The, the, the entire house that Steve Martin's family was in was a built-from-scratch set consisting of seven rooms that took five months to complete, costing $100,000. Especially since it's in the movie for 10 seconds. Yeah, it does not <laughs> matter at all. They could have gotten any location to shoot those scenes of them looking forlorn and waiting. Was that just the interior as well the exterior? It had to be the interior because they said in seven rooms, unless they literally built a house. But No, so I, they're just saying well, no, actually, they spent way too much about, on the sets. The well, house is like somewhere else, right? Well, yeah, because the house is actually in a suburb like 20 minutes away from mm-hmm. uh, the Home Alone house. John Hughes used a similar scouting area in the Illinois area. When I rewatched this, there was quite debate between the two people watching in the room. Is that the Home Alone house? And I'm like, absolutely not. But it but does look very similar. But it's very similar because it's the same, the exact same local area. Well, I mean, it looks like one third of the Home Alone house or like yeah. one half. Essentially. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's, it's just, just similar, just not quite as similar just a little littler. The, the main thing I do want to talk about here is I have issues with the film that I'll get to later. But here is kind of, I think, the causation as to why. The original cut of the movie was three hours and 40 minutes. Uh, John Hughes edited it down to two hours, and that was the version they test screened. Uh, and then he used a lot of the stuff he cut from his like two hour uh, theatrical or like test release for like the theatrical trailer. So most people were always like, oh, what happened to all those scenes? It's part of like two hour, like two extra hours of footage. Uh, the movie was edited again down to the one thirty-three minute for the theatrical release. And according to Hirsch, uh, the two hour version still exists somewhere, but he doesn't know where he put it. It's lost. <laughs> I mean, I'd be interested to see what it would add. I'm guessing it's just a bunch of side stories that don't matter. I have a little bit for you here, actually. So in the three hour cut of the film, the Braidwin end sequence was much longer. The, the part where they're at the hotel at the beginning, so Dell ordered pizza and a six pack of beer. He takes monies out of Neil's wallet, which is mentioned later in dialogue in the film when he's accusing him of stuff. And that's a little confusing. Uh, he only gives the delivery boy a $1 tip in this scene. And oh, this, so he comes back. And that's, ro- who and that's who robs them. So it's a causation to kind of that whole thing. Well, that would clear it up because it is kind of confusing when the boy, I'm like, where did this guy come from? Where did this kid come from? Yeah, that part's a little weird. And then also like just some other things missing from that scene. Like Dell opens up some of the beers and it sprays all over Neil's part of the mattress, which is why he's like, and I'm laying in all this beer, which is 
kind of unexplained, but you assume something, you know. I, I assume one of their relatives died, and that's why the family and the homestead was so somber the whole time, right? Not just because their dad was <laughs> running late. Yeah, it was pretty sad. They were, pre- I mean, they had a lot going on. They were still going to school and stuff, you know. All Talk right, Christmas well, break. well, one thing that did not get cat, uh, that did not get cut was Kevin Bacon's role. And <laughs> I wondered to myself, and you must wonder to yourself, what's he was, doing there? Is it was it Kevin Bacon a cameo or was it a role? So the story behind it is following this. This movie's from 1987, I believe, right? Yep. yep. And then um, he did a movie. Uh, sorry, Kevin Bacon did a movie with John Hughes the following year. She's having a baby. Mm, okay. So even though this movie predated, predated she's having a baby. John Hughes himself knew that that is his character, and he's like, he's just crossed over into my movie. Whether that's true or not, that's that's the talk behind it. Oh, well, it I mean, wasn't that, a cameo. That's... He already knew he was working with Kevin Bacon, and he included him in it. I like a little universe crossing if it's like the same company, you know? I like the crossover, even if it's, you know, even if it's not true. It yeah. lie to me. I'm fine with yeah, the lie. I'm fine a little with white that. can't hurt anybody. Uh, this is kind of a little heartwarming fact for you, and somewhat how I feel about viewing the film uh, Robert Ebert, uh, Roger Ebert gave this film, this movie three and a half out of four stars in his original review in 1987, but he did a follow-up review in 2000 and he gave it a four out of four, uh, including one, including it in his great movies list that he watches every Thanksgiving now. Um, it's the only fucking one. Well, I think what happened is, um, it, it, as time goes on after John Candy passed away, like this becomes a with a lot of his roles, much more endearing. Like, oh, he's gone. You know, he lost him, and the, and, he, and he was so warm and larger than life. So I assume that that aged better as yeah. He away. I mean, that's true. You kind of miss him. He's a happy guy. He's a sad guy. He kind of brings all those things together. Uh, Steve Martin says, "Well, he was a very sweet guy, very very sweet and complicated, and so he was always friendly, always outgoing, and you know, funny and nice and polite. But I could tell he had a little broken heart inside of him." That's sex. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve Martin. Thanks, Steve Martin. Uh, the last fact I have here that I want to talk about, and I will talk about this in a second in the next category, but the snow, you can tell, is, is real in most of this movie. I would agree, yeah. So the cast and crew traveled from the Midwest to the East Coast and back in search of snow for many scenes, which seemed to melt away whenever they would arrive. Uh, according to the people on board the production, the shoot was hellish, and according to some who worked in it, John Hughes was grumpy, and he was going through rough times anyway, so it was kind of not a fun film to be making for the for the crew. You can tell, though, it's real melting snow. It's not movie snow. That's just dirty Wichita snow. It's just snow. dirty snow, and it's, it's better for it. The entire show was supposed to be shot in Chicago, just wasn't enough snow. They're like, we don't leave Illinois, at least for production, but they went and chased the snow, and... Had varying degrees of success. Ran up the bill for Paramount. Uh, well, with that, uh, let us know if you found any other fun facts on this movie. There was quite a big list. I mean, as I mean, it's a huge writer director, two big stars. So I mean, there's always a lot of fun lore and stuff when that those all get together. To piggyback off Roger Ebert, I think it's the only Thanksgiving movie set like around Thanksgiving. The only one I can think of. Uh, well, with that, I think we're going to move it on to questions, comments. Welcome back to QCA. Uh, Before we get too nitpicky, I do just want to talk kind of like larger on the movie as a whole. I didn't like it that much the first time I watched it, but I do think part of that is I, I kind of am not a big fan of the uncomfortable humor movies where it's just like someone annoying someone, a meet the Fockers, just like uncomfortable situations. Those are never been exactly my cup of tea. And to some extent, like pranky movies aside from Jackass and bad grandpa. I didn't like Jackass growing up, but like as I've aged with them, I'm nostalgic for something I didn't like as a kid. Right. Cause I don't, I don't like seeing people get hurt, but I get what you're saying. I think I, Okay, do you like it more now, though? I, I have in other watchings, but I think part of that is because it does have good dramatic performances. There is still, like, a nice heartwarming kind of message, even though it is a... It's very melancholy. Yeah. And it's super sad at points. Yeah, which is why, honestly, when we recommended it, it was kind of hard for me to want to start because I was like, this is going to be... I know now a bit of a downer watching it with the pretense knowing what John Candy's character is actually going through. So I had similar um, reactions the first time I saw it. This is still not like my favorite movie or holiday movie, but I really enjoy that it's set 
at Thanksgiving. If this was a Christmas movie, it'd be like a middle of the road run, right? Mm. You know, uh, with potential to be there. But what I quite enjoyed a lot this time, John Candy's really effing funny in this movie. Yeah, he is. <laughs> like, he just jumps off the screen. Hilarious. Like, take away all the sad points. I think Steve Martin does good, and he gets to flex his muscles in the um, the, F, the, 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 the car rental scene. Mm-hmm. But essentially, he's just an irritated, like, straight man yeah, character. Yeah. But John Candy really just pops off the screen, and I enjoyed it for watching just let him rip scene to scene. Maybe the whole movie doesn't work as a whole, but it's worth the watch for him because I feel like out of most of the movies he's in that I've watched, aside for Uncle Buck, which I haven't seen, Mm -hmm. he's not the lead in a lot of movies. He's really just like a, a strong supporting role. And I feel like this one, he borderline gets to be the lead in most of it. And I know there's probably a lot that he is, Sure, but out of the movies I know him from, he's a strong supporting character. I think Uncle Buck's probably his biggest like standalone movie, standalone movie, right? Yeah. Well, one more thing I kind of just want to talk about that the movie and why I think it, there might be some problems with it is because it was such a long movie and so much was edited. The editing itself feels jumpy sometimes. Like we just cut from scene to scene and it feels a little just unconnected. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not quite cohesive. And I was trying to figure out: is it? It's not like the the acting that isn't cohesive. It's the story itself. Yeah, it just seems like here's a scene, here's a scene, here's. And I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that they had to cut so much in editing that, like, they just shot so much film that, like, it feels a little disjointed. Like, we know we're missing explanation for some scenes and some plot points, and then just building. I mean, then just the the transitions itself suffer. I think because of it. I don't want to over harp on this because I know that people listen to this. If you've seen it, you're probably a fan of it. So like, I'm not going to do this the whole time, but I think what it lacks is they're, uh, they're the odd couple, right? They're, they're at ends. They're in a sticky situation, Mm -hmm. so they don't have to be friends. And I think it takes too long for them in any way to bond. It really is like Steve Martin never turns a corner like his character and i get it he should be annoyed right but it's it's too contagious uh contagious uh confrontational the whole time no i I kind of agree with you but again now watching this for like i don't know maybe the third time i did enjoy it more especially the end the the like the turn at the end except except for the ending itself i hate a freeze frame kind of but (sighs) the actual last scene in the house I don't care. No, I really, I I don't get it. Everybody's emotion. And, and, and listen to all you young people out there. That's what you, that's what it would be like if you missed your flight. Cause they only had two payphone calls the whole time. You're screwed back then. You just don't know if your family members alive or where the (laughs) heck they are. And then they get home on Thanksgiving. It's like, thank God. Uh, Okay. So let's just take this back now to the, to the movie itself. Just question to you at the beginning when his friends like, you're never going to catch, you're never going to catch the six. Do you try to rush it? Or do you try to play it like maybe his coworker did and casually made his way back the next day, taking something else? In the moment, you're going to try to catch sure. it, right? You got to get back. But but here's what I've learned. Maybe you can get it just the next day. Although it was over the holidays, right? Because Thanksgiving was two days yeah. away. So Although does, I think you got I think you got to try to get the flight. Doesn't it seem like they were on the road for at least a week? <laughs> well, that's another thing. Time kind of stands still in this movie. I think we need more like checkpoints. Uh, I again, I just know because of editing that that's they had them. <laughs> they did at one like at the point where they get pulled over by Michael McKeon. They had passed Chicago and they were already almost they were in Wisconsin and they had to cut that and actually do reshoots. If you watch that, you'll see the background get grayer and lighter because they had to uh, they had okay. to cut that whole plot point out because they thought it would be too confusing. So technically, by that point, when they're in the burnt car, they'd already shot past their destination by a few hours. Oh, they just missed their exit and like, ended up in Wisconsin? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I but that's that. not explained whatsoever. It was cut from the plot. All right. Well, so, there's so, an extended cut that's coming out eventually somewhere. If they ever find out. it, wherever that went. I will say this about the first time. Uh, I really put myself in the taxi scenario because... You know, I lived in Chicago for enough years before Uber was super prevalent that I did have to get taxis. Mm-hmm. And I only have like two really long horror stories. One was the St. Patty's Day. One was a New Year's Eve where I just could not get a taxi. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do or how I'm going to get this. Uh, I was like entertaining people. And I'm like, there's a taxi coming, guys. Don't worry about it. And I looked like a buffoon. Uh, have you ever have yourself... Have you yourself ever had that situation? No, I've almost always been anally prepared to get wherever I'm going. 
Uh, but to get a taxi, uh, if you were like, I, oh, I'll you know, a taxi. I hadn't, I've really never had to take too many taxis. I was kind of more like, I moved to the city more in like in the, when the Uber age was starting, but, uh, I actually also just am good at getting taxis. I'm just tall. I'm a big target. And I can if I, if you keep your uh, arm up the entire it. time, I do, I just get, I get God. I just do. I'm, I, I'm not bragging. It's Cam- just I, Cameron. I was standing in the, in the middle of the street. Like James Earl Jones saw what Ray? Like I was, I was looking at taxis. Right? It's not like I it was for lack of effort. I was practically. No, I get it. I'm just saying. Know, oddly, taxis are mag- attracted to me for some reason. They, they they come my way. John Candy, do you think he stole the taxi, or do you think it was just opportunistic, Mister Magoo? I don't think. I think. I mean, just judging by his character, the entire movie, he's he's a well-meaning buffoon. He is super annoying. My next comment was just going to be John Can- John Candy's character is a nightmare. Like everything he oh, like yeah, the bathroom at the hotel, he's a terrible person. Having said that, I learned a valuable message at the end of this movie. I think I'm Steve Martin. <laughs> um, I think I mean I definitely relate much more with Steve Martin in this situation. Well, yeah, well, I would never get into the situation. Like if I was like. I would never be staying and traveling with John Candy at the airport when he was like telling me stuff. I'd be like, you just stay at the airport. Yeah, I'd be like, nah, I'm going to wait out here to get the next thing out of here because I don't want to be yeah, here. Yeah, I'm going to get out of here tomorrow. I'm going to stay at the airport. And that's another big example. Obviously, um, I don't know how big Wichita is, but I assume it's probably in the hundred thousands. Mm-hmm. There's hotels somewhere. It's just hard to find them because, you know, you didn't know how to get maybe there. Maybe not you had to go right to next to the airport. You're going to have to get maybe on the other side. No, of probably not in a city that big, but I, I'm just saying. Even though it would have sucked, I would have stayed in the airport for the night, Same. been home tomorrow. Yeah, then you avoid this entire scenario. Oh, just for the record, I think John Candy was fair game. If two people are bickering, oh, okay, lo- load your trunk, get in the taxi, get the hell out. I'm of just there. saying, I think it was buffoonery. He didn't notice. He's just a he's a he's a he's a, he's, a, he's an asshole. He's a well-meaning asshole. Uh, just question to make this a little more fun. Instead of John Candy's family being dead, and it'd be really sad. What if we just made him an angel? Oh, Steve yeah, Martin you can do learned that. Then, a valuable Thanksgiving lesson about being. Th- then it's a then it's a Christmas movie. Well, then we've moved from Thanksgiving to Christmas. No, we're learning Thanksgiving lessons, Jordan. You don't think angels are around helping all the time? They're in the goddamn outfield. Yeah, but they're they're taking off Thanksgiving because they got a busy <laughs> month coming up in December. They're not they're not working November, Cameron. They're like, we got a lot to do. There's a lot of people jumping off bridges and trying to kill themselves in December. You know what I mean? <laughs> If the worst that happens is you got to sleep with a stranger in a shitty hotel room, we're going to take it off this week. You know what True. I mean? Oh, go check out that new Thanksgiving uh, scary movie in theaters, I think, called Thanksgiving. Do you have a favorite? Okay. On the road movies in a whole, I, I don't know them all too deeply. Stay mm-hmm. tuned. Maybe this is coming up in a little bit of Mount Rushmore. Maybe not. I don't know. It is. But what I think that, like, I think this movie, even though it's only an hour and a half, there's like one too many scenarios Stops where they along get stuck. The way. Yeah, yeah, I'd yeah. Agree. We need like one less stop. I think. No, I'd kind of agree with you. I mean, it goes back to the editing issue again. I feel like Steve Martin did say initially to John Hughes, "So we're gonna cut the script drastically, right?" I think <laughs> if that would have happened, it would be a better movie for it. If yeah, we would have tightened up some of those transitions and the and the just the stops along the way. Um, do you have a favorite? John Candy bit. I have like, it's kind of when he's just like on the airplane, getting like, uh, the morale together with everybody, you know, in like in the bus, he has another, like when he's singing the Flintstones and it's, it's those moments. I can't think particularly off the top of my head, like the lines, but, um, I I love in the air, like the initial airplane ride, uh, when he's taken off his socks and it's so annoying, but he's like, these dogs are barking. (laughs) That's great. And then obviously the mess around when he's driving. Ah, that's fun. And stuck in the it's just a good gag. But I do you know have I mean? a lot of issues with that. Like just at any point you're stuck, just hit the brakes, tap the brakes, slow down, then fix fix the situation. Oh yeah, that was that was wildly avoidable. Do you want to know what makes me most mad about that whole scenario? Mm-hmm. It's not that they get turned around. It's not that they go all the wrong way. It's not that they crash. It's that the the cigarette wouldn't still be lit nah. 40 minutes after you throw it. In fact, I think like we didn't even have like uh, as as much like now they have uh oh never mind. Now they have things to put it out I think after a little bit. Never mind, scratch that. It wouldn't catch on that leather either. It would just smolder and go out. Even if it was vinyl, if it sat there for that long, it's not going to. It'll yeah, I don't think it's going to do it. I do have a comment, a little bit of an, an animosity about the music in this movie. I feel like the score is a little heavy sometimes and just also odd odd musical choices i wrote down bad yeah it's too it's it's the synthesize 
the dramatic synth mm-hmm. really takes you out of a lot of scenarios. I do have a little fact on this. I forget who the other artist was, but I'm pretty sure it was like Elton John and somebody else were commissioned to write original songs for it. But and they just did it. Well, no, it came down to like they were flying out the next day to record. It was the song's written. It was just never recorded uh, because they got in a dispute between the label and Paramount because Paramount said they would own the rights to the track after uh, after and it was against Elton's and I forget who the other artist was. Their 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 contract and their musical rights, so they just cut it. And what's the song at the end of the movie that they play? to the to the freezer every time you go they just got the rights to away. that and to save some money and they brought someone in to do the score we're complaining about they really slow rolled it though at the end you're like is it is that every time it goes away sh- or, you, yeah you, oh, oh, you, there it is you know it is because we spent fifty thousand dollars on it damn it i don't know how yeah yeah but they i feel like the lyrics only come in right before the hug and the freeze frame mm-hmm. that's true we're we're maybe getting ahead of ourselves but i want to talk about the end of the movie uh and 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 an overlying question right Mm -hmm. (coughs) about john candy's character he is literally homeless or figuratively i think more figuratively that he hasn't been home in years because he has no like there's no home to go to. did he not go i i get like his wife is dead Mm -hmm. but is there literally no house or structure i don't think that i'm confused i don't think that as much because he's a traveling businessman like he works for a company i mean he he has some sort of stability i think he's just saying like my home was destroyed. I have nothing to go to. Yeah, but I'm actually wondering if he literally is homeless. Because <laughs> I, I can't tell. It confuses me at the end. And I'm taking it quite literally. He's homeless. Well, and then on top of that... Judging by his bathroom behavior in the hotel, it is leaning towards that way a little, I guess. Well, and he but, takes his whole life with him with the trunk. Yeah, I always kind of thought that was a little more like... Figuratively? Well, no, well, yes, but like his family maybe keepsakes, like picture. I guess we never really see anything, do we? No. Oh, I, I just assumed. Cut, I guess, the, you know, I mean, I, that could go either way for me, but I, I took it to be figuratively, not like a literal, I have no home. Okay. So say he's. But it could go either way. Say he is literally homeless. What's he going to Chicago for? What's he going anywhere for? Just that got to hit the road, got to make the sales? To sell more rings, man. Some more shower curtain rings. Get out of there. Go to Baltimore. See what that's like. I've got a comment in general. I, I've never really smoked cigarettes. I wasn't a smoker. Mm-hmm. But when I watch a movie like this, I'm like, I wish I could take a flight, have a weird meal and smoke a cigarette. You know, just let it rip. Especially when everyone's Sucked dangling of out of their mouths, like casually and coolly like that. And they just don't seem to mind the smoke rolling up their nose. Never was able to do that. Didn't like something, it. Something changed in the late 70s and this, this sweet spot of like... 80, 83 to 88 doesn't seem like you need fingies don't need the nah, your smoke. lips just, are holding it for you baby you just, and, and eventually once you light the first one all you got to do is just <laughs> suck the other one in and it's just a continuous dangling one cigarette. flame you can finish that pack yeah the, the problem is you're going to need another one on that <laughs> flight though because you know you, you breathe so much on a flight and compressed air uh just kind of a comment it's interesting now watching this movie with the as just knowing John Candy's kind of plot point and in the turn to come, I feel like it does. You do, you do catch a lot of more subtleties maybe in his performance, especially kind of in the harsh moments between him and Steve Martin. It's, it it's what kind of makes me like the movie. The more I watch it is just kind of, I don't know, catching more nuances in their performance in his performance specifically. You mean like the depth and complexity that you can act yeah. to, play, yeah. to play sad. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's a good actor, man. I wouldn't say this about all comedians, right? I feel like you can go... Well, I think a lot of the talented comedians can do... No, that's not true. I think there are talented comedic actors that can play dramatic, sad moments. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, <clears throat> I think it's a lot easier for any comedian to play the straight man, or most comedians to play the straight man, like Steve Martin's playing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would agree. Just comment. I don't know, let me know what you feel about this, but I feel like this movie isn't overly funny but it does have some big emotions every once in a while i feel like it's an 80s family stone it just makes me feel a little uncomfortable what do you think i thought that a lot um i see your similarities and i thought i'd have to combat this the difference is there's no funny moments in the family stone <laughs> there's one funny moment in the family stone mr stone is that? yeah and that's it i mean this has actually got really funny moments by really good comedians there is a lot of melancholy and, and and boredom in the in the travel part of it. Mm. 
Fam- the family stone. Maybe that's Thanksgiving for you. And and I think that's and I think I should point out here, and this is no bash at Steve Martin because I, I think we both think he's really talented mm-hmm. and he plays his part well. I just think and the I believe way the they hell wrote, of a banjo too. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying that I think they wrote his role. Yeah, as the straight man. It's like I mean, there's less to do with that other than be annoying. I mean, but too perturbed. He didn't. He didn't like turn the. Cor- they didn't have him turn the corner enough because he's silly and goofy, and they could have done a little bit. I know their big bonding scene is when they get drunk, mm-hmm. um, and they, like they share snacks or whatever. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's that, like that's, their, that's like their only bonding scene, and then mm-hmm. a little bit in the car. Right? Obviously, there's other movies, and I'm going to compare this one in particular. Tommy Boy, and this may come up a little bit later in our Mount Rushmore. I feel like they're they let the two characters bond a lot quicker, and it's more enjoyable for the audience. No, I hundred percent agree with that. Whereas these two buttheads, and again, it could be a casualty of editing and just shit on the floor. You know, they might have just had to snip some stuff at the end. Uh, I do want to talk about that turn though, because I don't know if it's an animosity, but that train montage for some reason feels like a teen movie, and Steve Martin just realized that that chick with the glasses is actually pretty hot. <laughs> wait what part just when he's like realizing all those moments that john candy was kind of hinting oh oh i just actually felt like a um, teen movie montage to sorry me. you're saying you're saying on the cta not 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 when the train breaks no no, down. no. Yeah. When, when he's like on, going on the way home and he's piecing together all the things john candy said and he's like wait a minute if she just lets her ponytail down i actually have an unverified about that it wasn't scripted to be like that mm-hmm. um but in between takes john hughes let the let the uh, camera run yeah. And uh, Steve Martin was laughing to himself, trying to remember his lines. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So they just used it because uh, John Hughes liked it. Because it is weird, right? He's like, oh, yeah. However, though. It feels odd. It feels like they're falling in love. Or he's falling in how, love. He's like, oh, yeah, she's been there the whole time. But you know what he's really figuring out, Cameron? Which his I entire have no idea. His dead. John Candy's whole wife is dead, and he may be literally or figuratively homeless. And I don't know how he put that together. I have no idea either. Pretty vague. Pretty vague hints along the way. Do you want a logistical uh, animosity that I have just knowing Chicago? They're at, like, the Blue Line Van Buren stop. Mm -hmm. They were getting dropped off by a truck driver. Why didn't... I don't know where the truck driver is going, but it seems like it would not be down to like in that high populated area. It's hard to move a big truck through. Yeah, or if he's going to the suburbs, just drop him off at his metro line somewhere. Like, yeah, there would be stops along house. the way, or any of those like any of the blue line stops along the way coming into the city that could probably get him to a metro quicker too. I mean, yeah, he's gonna have a hell of a time getting home still. Yeah, I, I did kind of think about that, and also people did uh, complain that technically the view going into Chicago would be from yeah, the, sure. the wrong side but that's with the plot point that they already passed chicago uh just again throw away like you can tell the snow's real it's brown it's dirty it's slushy there's like maybe a spot or two where it's clearly fake like in the car scene when dell's falling asleep in the parking lot but other than that it's pretty pretty real but, snow. but i i think the two of us can agree and when all three of us talk, have talked about it when we do holiday movies you can tell when e- even when they have really really good effects for the snow you can tell when the actors are cold in parkas. <laughs> it, no, no, but you can tell when they're hot. Yeah. As well. Oh, yeah. And they're like sweating. Like Jesus, that looks rough. These guys look cold. Yeah, looks because I think it is. The it, only it movie that I think has done accurate. it better is uh, Just Friends. Everybody looks freezing, and you can always see their breath. <laughs> I believe they shot that like deep in Canada. Yeah, they did. Right? We have facts on how like cold Vancouver. that was. I believe, but uh, uh, go back and listen to our Just Friends. John Candy, again, like, again, inconsiderate, kind of an asshole, well-meaning, but he is also a shifty con man. He's tricking a bunch of people to use shower curtain rings as earrings, bracelets, like... Out of necessity. Yeah, but he's kind of a shifty con... He's, 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 he's a bit of a snake oil salesman uh, at the same time. Well, so yeah, he's, he's, there he's, are he's a ton of unlikable things about him. And if he is an angel, like I want to theorize, he's not a good angel. So I think what happens is the character is unlikable, but John Candy is. So that's what gives it the pass, essentially. Yeah. Oh, also, just question about train protocol. Let's say I'm taking a fun train travel and it breaks down in the middle of the field. Do they just (laughs) get you out in the field and say, walk two miles that way? They got to bring a bus or something, right? You stay on the train for safety. Or the next train, right? Yeah, something. I mean, I don't think they just make you walk and be like, well, you're fucked. Sorry. Well, that brings me up to, and this can be highlighted during the walk through the field to the bus. Mm-hmm. You catch Steve Martin's shoes? They were 
I, I can't no, I can't remember why. I remember they thinking were, you don't want to walk. They the were FDL. like wicker type leather loafers, and I know the argument is going to be like, oh, he was just going to business meeting from the hotel to the business meeting to the airport. It's still winter, but still, it was. It's on the way to the winter from New York to Chicago, yeah. and it really pisses me off. Yeah, it's. A bad I assume call. it's intentional, right? We get to see it. We get to we get to be annoyed, but I guess yeah. But yeah, that's a bad call. It's seasonally off. You don't do that. Do you know what part of the movie I actually strongly relate with? I've never found myself in this situation, mm-hmm. but when he's walking back from the rental car place. Oh, good. I just wanted to talk about this. Yeah. When he's walking back from the rental car place to the airport, mm-hmm. when he's sliding down the, what, what appears to be the that ramp, it looks like causeway. he really took a fall. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't found myself in that exact situation, but it's relatable to be like, I shouldn't be walking here. Yeah. I did have an animosity that like there had to be a safer way to get back. Like he walked on the tarmac. He was just down. The oh, runway. that's dumb. Yeah. He couldn't be done. Safest way would have just been wait for the next shuttle. Yeah. Just wait for the next person to come out. They'll, they'll get the you a with, car probably. Th- this is the problem with all I'm stuck in trap. Be patient. Wait for the next thing and you'll probably get there. Never go off on the swear at somebody tangent. No, it's never going to work out in your favor. It's going to get you kicked out of the airport. It is going to get you kicked out of the airport. It's going to get you arrested now. Why would he, animosity, why would you throw away the rental agreement? Like You need that to prove that they screwed you over. Like that's, he's a businessman. You need contracts. He's had a rough go. He's making it rougher on himself though. I think a lot, some of the problems are, are Neil or Ned. They're Neil. I think, I think a lot of the problems are Neil and that I no a lot of them it, are John Candy. He's gross. He takes off his shoes. He fucked up the bathroom. He destroyed a car. He put his life in danger a couple times. There's definitely problems with him too. Okay. Most of them are, are, are him, but Neil's the, he's, he's prickly and unlikable. Yeah, that's true. Don't be prickly and unlikable. All the, you know, you know what I do like? I like the fedora. I don't know if people were really doing that in the eighties or if it was just for the movie, but anytime I, did, it's not coming back. I love it's probably watching seventies, eighties when, I mean, I mean, obviously older too, when you get the full winter, like suit coat and jacket. Oh, yeah, I wish I could do it, but I work from home and wear athleisure wear. You could do it, but everybody like that guy is a pervert. If you wore a full <laughs> suit and an overcoat to like go do whatever you're doing outside, people are like I don't trust you around my kids. I don't trust you around anybody. I don't trust you around adults. I get it. <laughs> Let me see your lampshades. Those skin, their skin. I don't know if this is a like or not, but I've never seen so much articulation out of a out of a car seat than when uh, when Dell is maneuvering around in, in in the car before it catches fire. Yeah, it's weird though because at that point in their journey, that no matter what it was, if you could just lean back a little, it'd be the most comfortable thing you've been on for two days. Oh, hundred percent. And it's just almost—it's so infuriating that like, really, that should have taken more than like what five hours, maybe. Well, yeah, if they were all re- they got the car in St. Louis, yeah, to Chicago, I think that's probably like yeah, four hours, five hours. Yeah, and then at that point in the movie, I think we have like what feels like at least one whole other day. I feel nothing for him and his family at the end. Who, Steve Martin? Yeah, I'm like I, I don't care about any of you guys. I'm not I'm not heartwarmed. Overly emotional with ever with her crying and stuff, and it's it's, it's too heartwarming and it feels uncomfortable feels like, that Dell's there. If well, it's gonna feel way more uncomfortable if you continue the story because <laughs> he may or may not be actually homeless, Cameron. But even <laughs> if he does have a home somewhere, he's not leaving for a bit. No, he's he's pretty attached now to uh, to Neil. Uh, animosity, that car was on fire. You would not be able to drive it. I just don't, no, it's no. totaled. I don't think they'd be on no. the road at all. Granted, no, they love part it. of the joke, fun. I get why, sure. but. Cops did the right thing. He, Cops Michael did, the right, he did thing. the right thing there. He really <laughs> he did. did. He did absolutely. You can't, can't let you drive that. <laughs> I got another thing to list on the, the animosities for Dell kind of being a dick. He will not only just ruined him with that car rental and destroying the car, but he drove that same car through a hotel and then just drove off and caused so much damage. Yeah. He ruined that guy's weekend too. He's ruining so I many mean, people's that guy got fired. I guess the biggest sticky finger thing is Dell charged his he stole his, he didn't he, he, well, we, we, whether or not he stole his credit card, he charged the rental car to it. And well, we do know he took money from his wallet previously, but that was cut from the movie. So it does seem like he was stealing from him. <laughs> too along yeah. the way and using him for accommodations like he ended up also neil also ended up paying for like the hotel and like pretty much everything along the way except for he'll pay for everything for like, yeah so he took for advantage that dinner or, and maybe a few other things 
Oh, the one dinner when he sold all his rings. Yeah, to yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, one last sneaky little funny thing. Um, after after Steve Martin's character gets punched out mm-hmm. by the taxi guy, I did not anticipate him getting grabbed by the balls and picked up. <laughs> Didn't see that coming at all. That really caught me off guard. Gee, I've never seen anyone be get picked up like by the groin like that. <laughs> oh, there's actually a really funny line when um after Steve Martin tells off uh, John Candy's character, he's like, I I. I like me for me, but then they, they, they come back to the conversation and then he goes, you know what? There's things that I don't like about you. And then Steve Martin goes, name one. He's like, you fondle your balls all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> no, I don't. He's like, yeah, I don't like the way you do it. You just grab your nuts all the time. And it makes me feel uncomfortable. I didn't see that happening. And it was funny. And he's like, oh, yeah, what would you like? Two more balls and another set of hands. That's really... I mean, I don't know what's scripted and what's not. I assume it's all pretty scripted. But that, I mean, that caught me off guard in a good way. <laughs> and again, we, we get, of course, a little nitpicky in this category because that's what it's here for. But overall, I'm growing to like the movie more and more as I see it. Again, John Candy is very funny in it. Those emotional... Well, then we will, then we will compare that to the Family Stone category, Cameron. Put that one up there. And you know sure. what? It's supply and demand. There's not much... Not much Thanksgiving out there. Do you know what makes this movie a Thanksgiving movie? What's that? At the beginning, it says two days before Thanksgiving, and that's it. And that's like a lot of Christmas movies. All you got to do is set it around the time. That's true. The funnier parts, I'm appreciating more. The emotional parts are nicer. John Candy's performance wasn't a great great first watch for me. And I still do think it has some issues with editing and the transitions, and it could be tighter, but I like it. Overall, I like it. I like it with the John Candy aspect. I appreciate that it's a Thanksgiving movie, and as I probably talked about too much, there's just not many of them, you know? It's true. Let's just take our lower half Christmas movies and just say it's around Thanksgiving. In fact, most Christmas movies are just like the weeks leading up to Christmas and the finales on. It all worked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, most Christmas movies. If you enjoy it for what it is rather than what it's not, I think you'll like the movie quite a bit better. True. That's true. Uh, let us know if there's anything else you thought we should have mentioned in here. Some of your favorite parts in the movie. You can hit us up on social media, but we're going to move it on to recasting. Recasting. Uh, in my mind, this is pretty much a two-person movie. There are a lot of cameos from... Uh, people we know so I, I guess just do you have any of those smaller characters because i only did uh steve martin and i only did Neil, yeah this Neil is and Del. this is pretty much a two-man pony but um i said it to myself when i was watching it uh the the redneck guy who drives him in his pickup truck mm-hmm. chris elliott let it <laughs> okay. rip let it ride maybe extend the scene a little bit for him i don't know okay although i did like our one guy that's in trick-or-treat but that one did it was a, it was a fun surprise seeing him yeah, it, it you can't like that guy has a distinct face, a distinct face. So he really jumped off the screen, even though he does look quite a bit younger than I'm used to. Seeing. I didn't have anyone else. But if I were to, I would have said it would have been the airline receptionist, the 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 redneck and then the cop, the cop. Yeah, those are probably the main. Those ones. are like your three. Uh, did you have anyone else of the supporting cast there? No, he just jumped off the screen. I'm sure we could come up with the other two, but that one spoke to me. OK, let's start it off with Dell. Uh, I have two here, but I think I'm going to start it off with Rick Ducommon. Uh You'll know him from The Burbs. Go back and see that episode. He's also in Spaceballs. He, they beat the shit out of us, too. He's that security guard. <laughs> Solar suits, they beat the you shit out of us. You may also know him as the dad in the first scary movie, maybe the second one. Uh, passed away a while back, but I'm not sure if he could do the emotional parts well, but I, he's, he's a funny guy. I feel like he could be a fun, annoying character. So the big question is, did it have to be somebody that was overweight? I don't no, know. No, I don't think so. I, I didn't go that route. So I picked, I, I picked Bill Murray. Okay. Um, you got, you've got instances like, what about Bob? You got burnouts, kind of annoying guys like Stripes. Obviously, he can play a traveling salesman. Mm-hmm. And I think, given the right scenario, there could be some depressing, warm-hearted moments. Well, I can just tell you right now, uh, he was approached for the role. I do have that down as a yeah, what Yeah, sure. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, other people will go to what-ifs after. I'm throwing a wild card at you, but Robin Williams, 
He could be annoying okay. and spastic and all over the place, but then when those heavy moments hurt, he would knock it out of the park. Uh, Robin Williams is obviously our go-to comedian with a heart, a sad heart of gold. Mm. Uh, he works in most of these. So yeah, I thought about that. And there's another somewhat on the road movie where he sort of plays this type of character. RV? Uh, no, him and Billy Crystal, like, uh, father, father, so he has two on the road movies. You're telling me, I mean, he might have three, but essentially Billy Crystal's a straight man. Robin Williams is like the more eccentric, but I get sad and I, I'm a person. Yeah. He would work great in this. Anybody, anybody else for, uh, other options? I mean, I had tons. I, I could have gone the Jack Black route. You're slow, but, you know. Sure. To me, too much energy, not enough. I'll throw a wild whatever. card at you then. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Listen, you can go back, re- listen to the episodes. I, I think Philip Seymour Hoffman's perfect for everything, and I think he could have done it. <laughs> he would have, it would have been, um, even when he does comedies, it would have been like a more realistic version of this character, if that means like three-dimensional it would have been this guy <laughs> and it would have been more depressing and it might have been more more funny i don't, I don't know. know it's hard to say i like phil seymour hoffman though a lot do you want to move it on to neil i only have one if you want to go first i like my neil and i might be stealing it from you based off of your uh burbs recasting but i thought the whole time i was watching this perfect uh kind of middle-aged younger tom hanks perturbed hmm. The burbs. That works perfect. I love that. I didn't like, even cross my time. mind for some reason, but he's definitely going to have that Tom Hanks moment mm. where he freaks out. The whole time, yeah. I don't know how he could roll with uh, the F-bombs at the at the, at the the uh, car rental place, but I think he'd be fine. He'd be great with it. Uh, I think his under... Uh, one of like He plays the Everman. He does has a lot of range. He plays perturbed and annoyed more than anything, I think. That's his best quality. Hear me out. I, I have a modern version that I think is also very good at it. I could see you maybe thinking this could be a good uh, Dell, but Ryan Reynolds, the under the, I thought the that under for the sure. annoyed stuff that he does in every yeah. movie, essentially it'd be him doing that to Dell the whole time. Yeah, he could do this. I think that the Dell character was, sorry, the Neil character was so much, you could put a lot more perturbed straight man in I there. I could put John Hammond I mean, in there and it'd be fine. It'd be less fine. <laughs> I still think he's fine. I, I just, give him credit for I like John Hamm, but I don't think he's like this like Swiss Army knife type guy. I agree. And it's because of the But he do what he does? He plays a straight boring straight man well. Um, yeah, but like perturbed. Does he play perturbed well? Which is He has an attitude um, in the town. Yeah, he does. I, I guess in in, t- in today's standards, Jason Bateman would be a great Yeah. Oh that, that I mean yeah. he kind of plays that say, character. I feel like anyway. this already maybe is a movie with him that I'm reading the title to. And then, I mean, this may be trickling into our Mount Rushmore. Maybe it will, maybe it not. But, I mean, they essentially did these movies. You know, this is Tommy Boy. Yeah. This is the on-the-road movie. And those guys are the odd couple. One's slob and one's loud. So I didn't go Chris Farley. I didn't go David Spade. But they obviously had such great chemistry and worked well together. Right. I agree. I stayed away from it for the next category. Uh, before we get to it, do you want to hear some what-ifs? Yep. Uh, I like this one. Surprised neither of us thought of it, but for the n- character of Neil, Rick Moranis was considered, uh, but I can't remember. Was busy or turned it down. And then also. Wait, Rick Moranis with John Candy would have been fun. I agree. The only thing is, Rick Moranis would have gotten, because he's got a more nerdy look, mm-hmm. it almost seems like it'd be like punching down at him a lot more. Like, I I, what, yeah, I get I, what you mean. I, I kind of like it though. I think it would be funnier just because they do have the chemistry and they could play off each other, but I think appearance wise, it might not fit the character as well of being just a <sighs> confident, annoyed businessman, you know? Uh, also for the uh, role of Neil, they thought of Chevy chase that could have worked. I definitely, he was in my, you know, definitely could have done Chevy. You know. Michael Keaton uh, also reached out. That could have worked for me as well. Then also for the role of Dell, they reached out to Dudley Moore. As I previously said, Bill Murray. And they did reach out to Robin Williams, uh, all of which turned it down. I actually didn't know that, that before I did mine. I did have it written down, though. Apparently, I didn't read the end of the sentence. The older I get, the more I think that you're wasting Keaton if you let him play the straight man. I agree. He'd be a better... He'd be a better guy. He's nuts. just funnier than that. Let him. You want to get nuts? Let him get nuts. That's all I'm saying. Uh, that's our recasting for this week. Uh, let us know if you have any other good ones out there. But we're going to move on to Mount Rushmore. Top four. Top four. Mount Rushmore. Top four. Mount Rushmore. Top four. This week, we are doing our favorite road trip movies. Road tripping movies. Uh, because Mark's gone this week, we both get two, so we're just going to be able to go back and forth. I'm going to kick this off. 
This one's a nostalgic one for me. Uh, it's also just kind of a skating movie, but the movie Grind. The whole plot is they are trying to follow a famous, famous skater around the country at skate competitions to get noticed. Uh, hit big with me as a kid. Is it the best one? Of course not, but this is my list. Okay, um, definitely wasn't going to take that. I know. Uh, so kudos to you. It wasn't even in my... Uh, <laughs> wasn't even in my... Uh, um, Honorable mentions. It wasn't yeah. even an honorable mention. So you got that one. I am going to take one that maybe I'm a little older than you, but Tommy Boy, I would put it there. You mentioned it enough that I was going to leave it for you. You know, if it, and I'm sorry. I know I mentioned it a lot in the podcast, but it's hard for me not to. But I mean, there uh, are there are very comparable movies, and it's, I mean, yeah. it's on my list. It's just I left it for you. David Spade, Chris Farley, obviously Black Sheep. They would they probably would have made a handful of those. You know, if he would have lived longer, but mm-hmm. I'll go. I'll go Tommy Boy. They've got good chemistry. They obviously have something. Maybe there's more or enough plot. I, I like. I guess it's because they're working towards a common goal, whereas this one is necessarily just playing strains and automobile. Mm-hmm. We just got to get home. I guess I don't know. I get that. Um, uh, I have a few different ones here, and I think I'm gonna probably waste it on another stupid one. Sex drive. It's not overly funny, but there are some. Co- there are a couple parts that have really made me laugh over the years, and I just caught it on syndication, kind of. Pete Wentz, nice penis. <laughs> Rumspringer! Uh, I feel like we all learned about Rumspringer from that movie. Not again, yeah. not the best option. It's my list. Okay, so this one's, um, it happened one night. It's a Frank Capra movie mm-hmm. uh, with Clark Gable and who's the one? Know the title, know the people in it. Just actually haven't seen it. Clark Gable and Claudette Colbert. I don't know. It's really good. It's an on the road movie. She's like an heiress and she's trying to escape from her dad and he's a reporter and he found her and she's trying to get her home. Credit is the first screwball comedy. They got really good oh. chemistry. It's a really good movie. It's like 90 minutes. It's super tight, but like it it plays pretty modern. It's one of my favorite Frank Capra movies. Hmm. And one of my favorite classic recently. Hollywood movies. Uh, it might be on HBO's like TCM, TCM account. Oh, cool. Yeah, check yeah. it out. It's worth a watch. I mean, if you like classic movies. It's one of the first movies that swept like all four main categories at the Oscars. Best actor, supporting actor, movie, and director. Nice. That, we have our honorable mentions. Probably movies I should have listed, such as National Lampoon's Van- Vacation. That's probably one everyone had on their list that I should have had there. Obviously, vacation, we were going to say it, but I, you know, I wanted to think a little bit outside the box. Yeah. Cameron wanted to go outside. These are nostalgic the- ones for me. I mean, road yeah. trip, it's in the name. That one could have been there. I repl- It was sex driver road trip for me, kind of, you know? I've got some more modern ones that are a little different, like Chef. It's the dad and the son. I was going to throw road, out that you know, one like- for Mark. Mark loves that movie, Chef. Uh, with I, I do like that movie. Uh, I was going to throw out, like, also Little Miss Sunshine. That's that's a road tripping movie. It's a little heavier, not as much. That's eh, funny. If you want just the throwaway ones, were the Millers, RV, and there might be another one that's kind of exactly like that that I can't think of off the top of my head. Oh, do you want a movie I always forget about? Paul with Seth Rogen, Simon Pegg, and Nick Frost, where they have the alien. That's a road tripping movie. That is 100% just a road trip movie. And I agree with you, though. It is pretty much, you know, it's a little bit forgettable. Uh, you got Sly Stallone um, over the top, right? He's a semi driver. Arm wrestling way across the country well with his son. Clips and scenes, but I've actually never seen the whole thing. <laughs> he's got to get his son back home to his mom because he's like a weekend dad or every three week, and he's got to arm wrestle his way. As one does. You know, and, and bonding ensues, you know what I mean? Uh, up in the Air, the George Clooney movie. That one's uh, Airplanes, but uh, still kind of a traveling movie. I was throwing that one up there. What do you think? It's it's loose, but I got you. It's not a road trip, but yeah, it's it's... You're kind of stuck in limbo together. They bond like a ro- on-the-road movie. Another one I have that I thought was kind of questionable, but almost famous. Um, there's aspects of it. Uh, that one was in... a little more of a... Uh, yeah, that one was a little different to me, too, but I was seeing that on some list. But I do like it, so I want to mention it. Um, movies I saw on list, but I disagree with. It, even though it is a traveling movie, I don't think Into the Wild is a road-tripping movie. No, I wouldn't say so. Because he's just off to... He's by himself, down, yeah. you know? Yeah, he's finding himself. You know, he's out there. I'll tell you what sure is. On honorable mention, a movie I had to see roughly, I don't know, a hundred times while it was at the Castle Theater, Wild Hogs. Want to be wild. <laughs> do, 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 uh, do, do. Not a great movie. I guess on the on the flip side of that is um, 
Easy Rider is obviously a road tripping movie mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you a movie that what that's grown on me over the years. It's a comedy. I didn't like it that much Blue, initially. Blues, Blues Brothers. Oh, Blues Brothers, totally. Well. That would be on there. It's a comedy I did not appreciate, but Year One with Michael Sarah and Jack Black. It's actually kind of funny. They're two cavemen that just worked kind of their way through history into huge civilizations and moments. I have. I mean, I saw it the one time, but I yeah, have and not it wasn't really great. But there's a few really funny, there's funny moments. Honestly, it still gets me. There's a scene where Michael Sarah is hanging upside down. He's chained to a wall, and he really has to pee. And then finally, Jack Black's like, "You just have to go." And then he pisses all over his face, and it's just dripping down him. <laughs> and then two seconds later, the guards let him down. Check it out. It's funnier than we all remembered, kind of. Let us know some of your favorite road tripping movies. We also have, you know, things like Mississippi Grind, a movie I'm not sure if I'd like or not, but it's definitely a road tripping movie. Uh, thanks for listening to our take on planes, trains, and automobiles. If you like what you heard, make sure you like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Please rate and review, share. That would help us greatly. If you want more content out there, check out the entire Majestic Jam Network, Urban Hermit, I'm Not Crazy, and the Highwire Podcast. Till then, we'll check you on the next one. Bye.